Welcome back to the Green Zone on this Thursday. This isn't Drew, it's Britain. Yes, I've taken over for football at four. No, Drew should be back right away. Just a little bit of technical difficulties, but that's why I'm here, to lead off football at four. Because, I mean, this is this is really my time to shine. This is what Jamie likes to give me time to just talk about football. So while we work on that, let's just get right to it, Scott. Football at four. Football at four with Britton Gray. I do hope Drew was still able to hear one of the best intros in sports radio, the football at four one. Yes. Well, as before we get to the NFL, I do have some rider news to break coming down within the last half an hour. The Riders have released Jake Winicky. Yes, the slotback who they signed when him and Trevor Harris came over in free agency. The Riders have elected to release Jake Winicky after a disappointing season, dealt with injuries, then was just passed on the depth chart by Jareth Stearns. And so the Riders moving on from that big name. We'll see where he finds a spot next, but he has to kind of bounce back for sure. But we'll see what the Riders do. Uh, free agency. It's coming up soon, closer and closer, and I can't wait to see how the Riders choose to attack 2024 and what else is going to happen. But they did sign someone on their offense. Running back Frankie Hickson will be back. He signed a one-year contract extension, uh, and he was a running back who I really enjoy watching. He runs angry. He runs and wants to run through people, not around, but it is interesting that Frankie Hickson was signed. Meanwhile, Jamal Morrow, he's still a free agent. We don't know what's going on with Jamal Morrow, who was the lead running back this past season. Frankie Hickson actually uh, didn't play a lot just due to the kind of ratio juggling the uh, riders had to do. So Jamal Morrow got a lot of carries. Frankie Hickson didn't get a spot, but they like what they see in the 26-year-old. They're bringing him back, and maybe he can push for the starting spot. I remember this past training camp, I thought he ran it really well. The team went with Jamal Morrow, who had who had a great season. I'm not taking anything away, anything away from what Jamal Morrow did last season, but it is interesting that the Riders have chosen to sign uh, the backup running back per se to another extension, while the starter Jamal Morrow kind of wait and see what goes on there. Uh, they added two other members of the defense, an American linebacker, Katie Davis, and uh, American defensive lineman Roman Lee Harrison. Uh, Katie Davis. Uh, teammate of Mason Fines back at the University of North Texas with the Mean Green had 428 career defensive tackles there, fifth most in University of North Texas history. Uh, a guy who was on the radar of a lot of NFL draft uh, uh, people thought that he was going to get drafted. In fact, found out doing some Google research, he actually bought a 35 carat like shark, a shark pendant that was decked out in diamonds for the draft. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear like that it came to fruition, but interesting stuff. Uh, I appreciate someone uh, accessorized, right? Great accessory, um, the shark pendant. But he's coming to Saskatchewan. And then Harrison, five seasons with the Tennessee Volunteers, 108 defensive tackles, eight sacks. As the Riders and that Corey Mace defense starts to kind of take hold as they start to uh, build what they want the Corey Mace defense to look like. And they are bringing in players who they are clearly viewing 
as key pieces in that defense. And so we will see how this continues to evolve. They said free agency coming up uh, middle of February. Very excited. Obviously, there's the uh, the negotiation uh, window that opens five days before where you kind of really get a good idea about where guys are going, who's interested in who. But very exciting. Can't wait for that day. But it's NFL playoff season. That's what we're really kind of intrigued by right now as football fans. The Riders, they are making moves, but these are the moves you make in the offseason. A lot of guys you bring in for training camp. Who knows who's going to stick around? But the playoffs are on. And I am excited to see the Texans and Ravens. You talk about a battle between two dynamic quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, who would have thought he would be the best rookie quarterback, that not just from this draft class, that we've seen in a long time, just how dynamic and how him and uh, D'Amico Ryans in Houston have completely flipped the culture there in one season. But they go up against the NFL MVP who I believe should be the MVP. We'll see. They haven't announced that award, obviously. But Lamar Jackson, what he's done this year with the fact that he's still a dynamic runner, but he has had his best passing season so far in the NFL. Very excited to see what he can do, can can continue to grow with. But with Lamar Jackson, the playoff success just isn't there. You want to see Lamar take it to the next level in the playoffs, and he just hasn't been able to do that quite yet. I... And probably leaning Ravens here, just because I think the Ravens are one of the best overall teams in the league. But there's still that kind of cloud hanging over it. So that's on Saturday. Both number one seeds playing on Saturday. Later that night, the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy will try to knock off the red-hot Green Bay Packers. Like, the Packers are playing some really good football. I guess it's the Packers going to knock off the 49ers with the one seed, but... Green Bay, they're playing like that team who is, it's house money, right? No one had any expectations for Green Bay this year. Uh, first year starting quarterback in Jordan Love. Was he going to be good? Can he fill the shoes of uh, Aaron Rodgers when he left? Looked a little bit rocky at the start, but now he's maybe a top five quarterback, top 10 quarterback in the league with how he's played over the last nine or so weeks. And then, I mean, it's the 49ers. That is a team with a bunch of Hall of Famers uh, on both sides of the ball. And they are, I think, the most talented overall roster. And I've made it pretty clear my feelings about Brock Purdy. He's been good. He's been better than I thought he was going to be. But it's just, if, as long as the 49ers stay ahead, which they probably can do, they're that talented. I don't think Brock Purdy, if a team gets down, he can stretch the field enough to come back in a game. Kyle Shanahan now 0-38 when his team trails in the second half. So we'll see what goes on there. And then on Sunday, Baker Mayfield, one of the best stories in the NFL. Baker Mayfield tossed aside by the Cleveland Browns heading into Detroit. Where, I mean, let's, how about Detroit fans? Good. Yes. Detroit fans, after years of misery, finally some success, that playoff win, something the Cowboys haven't been able to give me anything, some hope recently. Uh, the, the Lions looking good. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jared Goff, who it has went to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff is, has, knows what it takes to get to Super Bowls. And so that's, I'm really intrigued by that matchup. And it's going to be great that either Baker Mayfield 
or Jared Goff is going to be in the NFC Championship game this year because both those guys kind of thrown aside by the organizations that drafted them for a different quarterback. Of course, in the Rams case, it was for Matthew Stafford, who they won a Super Bowl, so it worked out well for them. And then Deshaun Watson in the uh, Deshaun Watson in the um, Cleveland Browns, who not going so well. And then the Sunday, the primetime matchup, the matchup I think we're all intrigued about, Kansas City against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills at home, is, is this the year, if the, if the Buffalo Bills can't beat the Chiefs this year in the playoffs with all the kind of offensive, I'm going to say woes the Chiefs have had, though they're still a top 10 offense in the league, they have to beat, the Bills have to beat the Kansas City, Chief, Kansas City Chiefs this year or else when are you going to do it with this group? This is the year where if you're going to get to a Super Bowl or bust, which was what the Bills had to be this year, you need to beat Kansas City at some point. This is your year, but we'll see if Patrick Mahomes continues to be undefeated in either the wild card or divisional round. 7-0 and thus far. That is really something. So we will see. I am very excited for that game. Those two teams, when they meet up, usually you can expect a great game. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll see if we can get Drew back here, talk a little bit of football. You're listening to The Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Yes, welcome back to The Green Zone on this Thursday. My name's Britton Gray, and I believe Drew is here. Drew, can you hear me? I can hear you, but uh, in the in the Silicon Valley world, my internet has now completely disappeared on every platform I can think of trying to use. So we are old school by phone, my friend. Thank you for stepping in because uh, sometimes uh, technology does stuff like this. You can't trust any of that. Just like I can't trust Jerry Jones to make what, in my opinion, would have been the right move to move on from Mike McCarthy. Uh, okay. Let me let me ask you about that. Yes. Yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't hear what you said yet, but you know, I'm reading a bunch of articles today on Mike McCarthy. And if Mike McCarthy is this Probably the most widely um, underwhelming coach when it comes to the public's view of him. Yet, he has won a boatload of games in, mm-hmm. and has a Super Bowl ring. Um, and I look at Mike McCarthy and what Jerry Jones, and, and but Jerry Jones, with the exception of uh, Chan Gailey, has been pretty loyal to coaches. So... If, if he is the, the, the villain in all of this, Mike McCarthy, I, I don't see how he could, could continue to have teams that win all the time, back-to-back-to-back, 12-win seasons. And you've got to win in the season to, mm-hmm. to get to the playoffs. So where, where was the better option? I mean, you can make the argument that this offseason, Bill Belichick is out there, uh, Mike Vrabel's out there, like uh, Jim Harbaugh. There is, I think, if you're a fan, some uh, better uh, options just because they've had a little bit, they've had some success in the NFL as well. But, but you're right. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I, I believe it was uh, Colin Coward, had uh, put his uh, coaching stats right next to John Harbaugh's, and they are pretty much identical. It's just the quality of wins. It comes down to quality of wins. John Harbaugh does have a Super Bowl. In the playoffs, they've had a little bit more success, and it seems like Mike McCarthy teams 
when they while they win in the regular season. I mean, you, you saw it all year with the Cowboys, Drew. Against winning teams, they barely showed up, especially on the road. But they still got to 12 wins because, luckily, their schedule was pretty pretty easy when you compare uh, strength of it compared to some other teams. So, I look at it this way. The devil you know versus the devil you don't. And I think Jerry Jones looks at it that way as well. Of course, you know, it's just me speculating on that. But the Belichick thing... Uh, you know, would we be really talking about Bill Belichick in, uh, boy, I'd rather have Bill Belichick if he was still coach of the New England Patriots, or if we even looked at the, his stats in the last few years, because we've been fairly dismissive of, of Bill Belichick uh, over the last number of years because of what has happened in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for Bill, for me with Bill right now, it's kind of the Mike Tomlin thing where I think they're great head coaches, but they just don't have a quarterback right now in this league. Yeah, well, they but they, but they do have one in they do have one in, in Dallas. Like as much as we you know we we barb each other about mm-hmm. Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott can play. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to you more, Drew, as, as we kind of navigate through this. And we got dropping the gloves next with uh, Nick Olchek with the Seattle Kraken as they try to knock off the red-hot Edmonton Oilers. But let's get to the one-minute drill. The Edmonton Oilers are riding a franchise record 11-game winning streak as they host the Seattle Kraken on a busy night in the NHL. Also tonight, the struggling Toronto Maple Leafs, losers of four straight, visit the Calgary Flames, who have won four in a row. Elsewhere, the Ottawa Senators host the Montreal Canadiens, and the Vancouver Canucks are home to the Arizona Coyotes. Mike McCarthy will get another chance to end the nearly three-decade stretch without a deep playoff run for the Dallas Cowboys. Team owner Jerry Jones says McCarthy will be back for a fifth season as coach after a stunning 48-32 wildcard loss to Green Bay. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs begins on Saturday. The Viterra Scotties are underway in Tisdale. Defending champion Robin Silvernagel and her rink got their first win this morning, moving to 1-1. One and one. Meanwhile, Nancy Martin and Skylar Ackerman's rinks both remain perfect at 2-0. The winner of the tournament will represent Saskatchewan at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. That's your Green Zone Sports. I'm Britton Gray. Yes, the Viterra Scotties, something I wish I could be out covering, but it's out in Tisdale, unfortunately, a little far away from me and Regina. But yeah, like I said, coming up next, dropping the gloves with Nick Olchek as the Seattle Kraken go to Edmonton. They try to knock off the Oilers, who are searching for a 12th straight win, which would beat the record they've already set by getting to 11. So we'll see how Seattle can possibly do that. I'm Britton Gray with Drew Remenda on the Green Zone on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Welcome back to the Green Zone on this Thursday. I'm Britton Gray, joined by Drew Remenda over phone because the internet cannot be trusted wherever Drew is at right now. And uh, before we get to dropping the gloves, Drew, I have to go to the text line because someone has called me out. Please tell Britton that Mike McCarthy has also won a Super Bowl in his fifth season in Green Bay and reached the NFC title game three other times. He refuses to mention that when he's bashing him, comparing him to other coaches that won Super Bowls. Get your facts straight. Signed, huge Cowboys fan, Marcel from Melfort. Well, you are absolutely correct. 
Mike McCarthy does have a Super Bowl, but it, it's that kind of Super Bowl that Aaron Rodgers was there in his prime. It feels more of the Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl than Mike McCarthy's, but he was there, and all the credit to Mike McCarthy, he does have a Super Bowl. Well, that's also the, the same type of conversation we have with Bill Belichick about Bill mm-hmm. Belichick and, and Tom Brady. You know, who's, whose Super Bowl is it? And, and the, the facts are it's everybody's Super Bowl. But it brings up an interesting point with, with Mike McCarthy. I mean, he is not a very well-respected coach from the media. And watching the uh, Pat McAfee show today on ESPN, they brought this up a couple of times that the the media had – fired Mike McCarthy almost going into this season and certainly after the playoff loss. And they're they're doing the same to Sirianni. They're doing the same to anybody who loses in the playoffs, basically. Mm-hmm. But Sirianni and and uh and McCarthy were the two big ones. How much do you think that outside media pressure, the peripheral opponent, is an influence to not not the not the owner well, sometimes the owner, but more to the to the media fan base. Because when it comes to football, media is, yes, the media, but the fans are also still the media. Exactly, especially with social media now. It seems like when, they, when players and stuff talk about the media being negative, they include social media, which is a lot of fans giving their opinions as well, and they, they view it as that. Uh, I, I think if the media is having any sort of uh, impact on how you run your franchise, you need to take a look in the mirror. Because <laughs> we can just offer opinions, but ultimately you should know what direction you want the franchise to go in. And, and so I think if you uh, listen too much and you make your decisions based off that, you're running into issues as a franchise. Yeah, you, you are. I agree with that. But I think as far as the narrative goes, I think it's like wildfire. Mm-hmm. I think if one or two media locations pick it up, like watching ESPN and, and Dan Orlowski, who I really like, and I like listening to him. I think he's a well-spoken guy. I think he's intelligent. I think he thinks things over. He was talking about that, that McCarthy needs to be fired right away. And he said, I don't like talking about things. I don't like asking for people or, or calling for people's jobs. I didn't like doing it when we talked about Dickinson with, with the riders. I didn't like the fact that we, I did it. And I, I've been in the coaching ranks where, you know, you get fired. It sucks. It's and I, but I didn't like doing it. But you look at the the situation, and really, was there? There was no other, in my belief, no other situation for, or no other um, resolvement to a situation than it was that you had to have a new new coach come in. I do believe that there are times that the coach's voice just gets more and more diminished as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. The the interesting thing with McCarthy, though, is, and I go back to people look at regular season, you go, regular season. Yeah, but you got to do that in order to get to where you need to get to. Yeah, absolutely. You, regular season success does matter. But, boy, Drew, if I have to watch another disappointing Cowboys playoff performance, I, I might have to become a Texans fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but, but how much, what always gets me in these situations is how much the players are left off the hook when a, t- a team performs poorly. It's always, well, what about the coach? And I've always said that successful teams, they never even look back at the coach. The successful teams take over. Eventually, the players have to take over the ownership and the accountability of wins and losses. 
You, you're absolutely right. I, I know with the, the, the Dallas specifically, it's really tough to move on from a quarterback because you could argue Dak Prescott bears a lot of the blame for how he played, but it, it comes down to the guaranteed money. If you, you can release a coach for a little bit cheaper than releasing a, a quarterback because the coach isn't counting towards your salary cap. I think if the Cowboys released Dak Prescott or moved off him, they have to pay him $60 million or something in dead cap it, which as a team that does not lead to any sort of success unless you're Tampa Bay, who apparently can have, what is it, 80, 90 million in 80, dead cap? 80, 88 or 89 million or something like Over 80 million. And just keep on rolling with Baker Mayfield, I guess. Uh, well, let's move on to dropping the gloves here. Get the fast lane, Kramer. The bingo game is ready to roll. It's time to drop the gloves. All right, Drew. So, Edmonton against Seattle. Edmonton's rolling, Seattle rolling. What do you make of this matchup? Well, again, we thought the Edmonton Oilers were going to get back on track, and they certainly have back on track in a, a bigger, uh, bolder fashion than before. It uh, It's not surprising when you've got two of the world's best players, if not the two best players in the world, when it comes to Leon Dreisaitl and, and Connor McDavid. The Funny thing is how winning cures all ails, right? The talk about the defense being porous. The talk about there's no way they can win with this uh, third and fourth lines. This goaltender, no way that can happen. All that conversation is gone. Um, I reading articles early in the season about the Edmonton Oilers and how they were immature and they didn't know how to win and on and on. The last headline I read in Sportsnet was a mature win by the Edmonton Oilers against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you want to talk about the media being flip-flopping and, and why you have to block out the media. It is, without a doubt, one of the situations I look at. And one of the, the reasons that I think there's more pressure on a Canadian team trying to win the Stanley Cup than there is on any other teams. When when I was a... Uh, when Ron Wilson, I should say, was uh, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers 2006, when the Oilers made the run to the Stanley Cup final, the Sharks played them in the second round. And Ron Wilson is a very, very good coach and an extremely intelligent man. And also, he likes to poke the finger at people. And we, in today's world, we call him a troll. <laughs> Back in yeah. the day, right? um, we are playing the Oilers. We win the first two games. Win the, we lose the third game. And I think that was the double overtime or whatever game it was. And Rafi Torres was running a rough shot. He knocked out Milan Mahalik that he'd be suspended for a lifetime when he eventually was. Um, but anyway, um, and the, uh, reminded me of even the fourth. It was the third game. Mm-hmm. And the, the morning of, uh, game four, or the next day, I can't remember which day it was. The media, of course, is all over the place, and they're they're right in front of Ron Wilson. They're asking, "Oh boy, you guys got you know the big game? How do you bounce back from that?" Blah 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 blah. And they're just talking about the Sharks and the Sharks and the Sharks. And Ron Wilson goes, "Can I say something, guys, to you for a minute?" And the, the Edmonton media hated Ron because they viewed him as American, even though he's a Canadian and American. <laughs> but Ronnie Ronnie said, just out of the blue, and I'm standing back of his press, and I had a great relationship with Ronnie, and he goes, "I don't think that a Canadian team." can ever win the Stanley Cup again. And, you know, you talk about the heads exploding. Yeah. Right? You can literally witness it. 
with the, with that Edmonton media, how in the hockey night in Canada, and how crazy they went. Okay, um, and they're what are you talking about? Me? Just well, it's not because of the teams aren't run well, or they don't have talented players, or or they're not well coached, or the general manager doesn't know what he's doing. It's you guys. It's you guys right here. You guys put so much heat and spotlight and flip and flop and go after them and then praise them that they don't know whether they're coming and going. You guys are the problem. And I'm standing back there and I looked at him and, went, and he looked at me and he winks and I went, be nice. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And he goes on. And so then as we walk away after the, the media at Edmonton had lost their collective minds and started writing about what Ron Wilson said, he puts his arm around me and he goes, how many of those guys do you think are talking about our last game right now? And I said, <laughs> that's pretty clever. And he goes, yeah, young man, that is how you get the media off track. <laughs> you know, get them focused on yeah. the thing, right? Well, fair so, enough. Drew, do you, do you know who can provide some extra insight into the Kraken Oilers game? Our guest, Nick Olchek, will be on next right here on the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to the Green Zone on this Thursday afternoon, and we are dropping the gloves with Drew Remenda. Thank you, Britton. Uh, we're going right now to Edmonton with the one of the broadcasters. It's, it's a guy I, I, I'm really nice to, and I like him a lot, but honestly, I'm very jealous of how good he is at a very young age into his broadcasting career. The great Nick Olchek from the Seattle Kraken. Hello, Mr. Olchek. Drew, great to be with you guys. I... Uh... I appreciate the kind words very much, and Drew, you know this. I am a, a huge fan of yours, and I've been watching you ever since I was even younger. So you've helped shape uh, a lot of my uh, a lot of my passion for doing what I do. So it's great to be with you guys. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Thanks for making me feel old too while you're at it. Um, let's, let's, uh, let, let's talk about the uh, the Seattle crack and uh, a tough start yeah. to the season, but man, you kicked into the gear. Lost the last couple, but you've been rolling along for a while now what changed well i'll tell you what drew it was uh i think a tough start's a great way to put it just kind of hard it was really a tough way trying to find some chemistry uh execution wise for the team um and then they went on that huge losing streak where they lost eight in a row and i think for probably the last three or four games of that eight game losing streak they very well could have won all of them and so it was just kind of one of those stretches where anything that could go wrong did they didn't get the bounces and then all of a sudden after they lose that eighth game they turn around and win the next one and then they go on a 13 game stretch where they get points in 13 straight they win nine in a row um, and ever since that nine game uh, winning streak they've now lost two in a row um, when this team that being the Kraken, uh, are going good everyone's contributing and now they've bitten. They've gotten bitten by the injury bug here as of late. Uh, no Vince Dunn as of late. Um, Andre Burakovsky, who has just had an awful time battling injuries dating back to last year, uh, looks like there's a chance he could get back into the lineup tonight, which would be huge as far as a little bit of offensive ignition for the team and, and him being one of the most skilled players on this team that, it really has the ability to make something happen when really not much is going on, especially on the power play uh, as well. There's been some injuries as of late that have kind of hampered, I think, the chemistry of this team. But as far as the uh, the chemistry goes and the execution, um, I think right now 
Uh, they're, they're, they're working out of it. And, yes, they've lost two in a row, but uh, the one thing that has been consistent this year has been the goaltending, whether it's been Flip Grubauer, Chris Drieger, who's come in and done a nice job, or Joey Decord, who's really kind of been a story in the National Hockey League. Uh, it's been up and down, but after all those losing streaks and all those winning streaks, they're still very close to a playoff spot and obviously yeah. just two points separating uh, the Kraken and the Oilers uh, to date. So this is this is obviously a huge game. The Oilers are rolling up big time. The way that the Kraken plays, what will be their best defense against a very good offensive team? Yeah, something I'm going to be really stressing uh, on our show tonight is that they just have to stay above uh, the, yeah. the likes of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman and Evander Kane if he plays and so on and so forth. Um, like When you're going up against teams that transition as well as the Oilers do, uh, if you get caught on the wrong side of the puck, not in the D zone, but in the offensive zone, uh, you're going to get fried every single time. And and I think something that uh, a lot of fans, uh, at least here in Seattle, are, are even starting to learn a little bit more is that you know you can play defense in the offensive zone by being in the right spots and making sure that you always have that third forward high. And I think when the Kraken D are going really good. They're aggressive at the offensive blue line. They're pinching down, but obviously it's a slippery slope, as you know, Drew, because if you pinch down and you don't have that third forward covering, that's a dangerous recipe going back the other way for, for a team like the Edmonton Oilers. So as far as defending goes, obviously insulating the middle in the D zone, but I'm going to really be looking for the Kraken uh, to be great with their third forward high and making sure that not only do they know the time on the clock and the score, but knowing who the heck's on the ice for the Oilers, because like I said, I mean that this team transitions is just about as good as any in the league. Yeah, without a doubt. Hey, buddy, uh, because of our technical difficulties, we got to cut this off right now. But hey, I appreciate you coming on. Always love talking to you. Always love seeing you. And I see, you, I think we see you near the end of the month here in San Jose, don't we? Yeah, coming up. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, Drew. Appreciate it. You bet. That is the great Nick Olchek. Yes, he's uh, he sounds like his dad. Ed Olchek, another great broadcaster. Nick has a great hockey career in uh, NCAA college, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Young, good-looking, and uh, very, very good at his job with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Let's go to the one-minute drill.